Is the government of New Brunswick suppressing news of a mystery neurological illness? President of a Surrey Gudwara who had been targeted by the Indian government is gunned down as he leaves the Gudwara. Sexual assault allegations made against a snowbird pilot. Bus full of workers rolls over in northern British Columbia and historic settlement reached in the Robinson-Huron Treaty. Good morning. It's Tuesday, June 20th. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. First, we start in New Brunswick, where numbers appear to be growing of people who are being inflicted with a mystery brain disease. Dr. Alier Marrero is a neurologist who says that he's seen more than 200 patients now who all have symptoms of a neurodegenerative disorder that no one knows where it's coming from. The story update is featured on Canada Land this week. The conversation between journalist Sarah Lorenick and Jesse Brown goes over Sarah's dogged reporting on this and includes an interview with Dr. Marrero. The first theory was that the neurodegenerative disorder was related to blue-green algae. Plumes of blue-green algae reaching the water supply or reaching shellfish could have been poisoning people. But now Dr. Marrero has found that the vast majority of his patients demonstrate that they have been exposed to herbicides either glyphosate, AMPA, glufenate, and 3-MPPA. Their levels are high and sometimes very high, he says. None of the individuals were exposed to these substances on the job. Canada Land explains how the government seemingly made a decision to stop paying attention to this issue, that virtually overnight, all their monitoring of the mystery illnesses stopped per documents that they obtained. Worse, they've been making it difficult for Marrero to report new cases to the government. Now, in the interview, Lornick mentions that Marrero went to Quebec to do testing on his patients to find that they had higher levels of herbicides. It didn't surprise me to hear that he had to go to Quebec. Glyphosates are not infrequently in the news here. In fact, earlier this month, Quebec City banned the use of glyphosates, joining three other municipalities who've made the decision. In fact, I was once in a cab. When I told my cab driver I was heading to Saskatoon, he begged me to bring him some Roundup to sell back here. You can't get it anywhere, he said, and people want to try to keep their lawns nice. And if I brought it back, I'd make a fortune. Glyphosate won't be banned in Quebec City, though, for farmers or for golf courses. The Quebec Parkinson's Society makes the connection between glyphosate exposure and an increase in Parkinson's disease. Exposure to the poison as a child increases the risk of developing Parkinson's by six times, they say. Canada Land asks whether or not this substance, which is heavily relied on in farming and forestry in New Brunswick, is not being taken seriously by government because of corporate influence. In 2021, Health Canada was about to approve higher levels of glyphosate in the production of legume crops. Roundup's manufacturer, Monsanto, also produced the seed that is impervious to Roundup. It's big business for Monsanto, who can assure that crops won't be killed by other weeds or pests if you use Roundup because the seeds are resistant to it. In one article that I found from CTV News about all of this, there were several paragraphs at the end of corrections from Health Canada, very minor corrections that honestly seemed more like they were bothering the journalists than they were actually clarifying any information for people. But that's an indication to me just how how important this is for Monsanto and that government agencies 
are doing their bidding. Anyway, it's a very important investigation and whether or not this is what's causing the neurological problems or it's blue-green algae or it's a combination of the two or it's something else, the lack of action and monitoring taken by the New Brunswick government is very bad news. Next to Surrey, where the president of the Guru Nanak Singh Gurdwara by Hardeep Singh Nijar was murdered in his truck as he left the Gurdwara on Sunday night. While the RCMP has not identified who is the victim in the murder, he's been identified online by many social media posts. Nijar had been targeted by the Indian government for years. The Indian government claimed that he was trying to secure financing to purchase weapons and training for Sikh youth so that they could resist a right-wing youth group that is closely connected to India's government. Nijar rejected their charges. He said that his support for Sikh self-determination is peaceful, democratic, and protected by Canada's charter. The World Sikh Organization of Canada has called for a full investigation into his murder by both law enforcement and intelligence agencies, and specifically to look at whether or not there was any foreign interference from India that played a role in Nijar's murder. They said the government of India had, quote, placed a bounty of one million rupees for his capture in 2022, unquote. He's been an outspoken supporter of Khalistan and Sikh self-determination. Land that he owned in Punjab had been seized by the Indian government, quote, as a punishment for his activism, unquote, said the World Sikh Organization of Canada. Next to Moose Jaw, where a pilot for the Snowbirds has been accused of sexual misconduct. The Air Force is investigating. The allegation was made against a member of 431 Squadron. The accused is one of the pilots that does fancy air show maneuvers to make us all love warplanes a little bit more. The forces are not saying anything about where or when the incident that is subject of the charges happened. The pilot has been reassigned to other duties at 15 Wing Moose Jaw, reports the Canadian press. And in his absence, and in his absence, the Snowbirds will fly an eight-plane team rather than a nine-plane team. They will be flying over Dieppe and Moncton in New Brunswick this weekend. Spokesperson for the forces, Jessica Lamarand, is quoted as saying this, quote, Lamarand said the military is not able to disclose reasons why investigations, including the one involving the Snowbirds pilot, may or may not be referred to civilian police, quote, in order to prioritize a victim-centric approach and maintain the integrity of an ongoing investigation, unquote. I think it's pretty disgusting, honestly, that the forces would claim that they can't give any information at all because they're being, quote-unquote, victim-centric. I mean, do you think we're that stupid, folks? We, we can see what you're doing. Anyway, 93 cases of criminal sexual offenses have been referred to civilian police by the military since December 2021. Next, there's been another bus crash in Canada. This one happened on Friday, but barely made any news until yesterday. The bus was full of housekeepers who work at a lodge that's part of Coastal GasLink's pipeline project. The workers were all members of Unite Here Local 40, and the union had just filed a grievance about this bus ride. Previously, the housekeepers lived on site, but the company that runs the lodge, Horizon North, decided to move them out of the lodge and into Prince George to make room for pipeline workers. That would be bad enough just for the disrespect side of things, but the ride has actually added four hours of bus riding per day to the workers' schedules. The grievance that has been launched because of this bus ride charges that it violates the collective agreement, which the article doesn't explain why, but very heavily suggests that these workers aren't even being paid for this time. The union wants the workers to be allowed to live on site again. 
30 workers were on board when the bus ran off a forestry service road and flipped. There were 18 people injured and no one on board was killed. Horizon North is owned by the Dexterra Group. They employ nearly 9,000 workers all across Canada. Dexterra is owned by Fairfax Financial Holdings Limited. There's one familiar name on the boards of both Dexterra and Fairfax. David Johnson, former Governor General and most recently Canada's Special Envoy in International Political Interference. The guy can't even make sure that the workers that are employed by the companies he oversees are safe. We're expected that he could figure out Chinese interference in Canada. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure about that, folks. The global news story doesn't mention anything about Dexterra or Fairfax. And finally, a decision has been made related to the Robinson-Huron Treaty, a treaty that was signed in 1850. It had promised annual payments to the treaty's beneficiaries in exchange for revenues that Canada made off of resource extraction. The treaty includes 21 Anishinaabe communities along Lake Huron's North Shore. In 1874, the government capped the treaty payments at $4 per person. The federal government never increased them after that, despite the fact the treaty covers parts of northeastern Ontario that have made tons and tons of money off of mining. In 2018, an Ontario Superior Court justice ruled that the Crown had to increase the annual payments. The Crown and the communities have negotiated a $10 billion settlement to pay back the money owed to these communities. Of course, members of the community have been curious to know how much money will be distributed. Leadership has said that this will be decided after many consultations. There will likely be some money given to individuals and some money kept for community funds and initiatives. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, June 20th. I'm Nora and it's Sandy and Nora Day. You're going to love today's episode. It's a roundup of news that you've maybe seen or have missed. So catch that in a couple of hours. Have a wonderful Tuesday.